God's glory is on tour in the skies. Godcraft on exhibit across the horizon. Madam Day holds classes every morning. Professor Knight lectures each evening. Their words, they're not heard, their voices aren't recorded, but their silence fills the earth. Unspoken truth is spoken everywhere. God makes a huge dome for the sun, a super dome. The morning sun, a new husband, leaping from his honeymoon bed. The daybreaking sun, an athlete, racing to the tape. That's how God's word vaults across the skies from sunrise to sunset. Melting ice, scorching deserts, warming hearts to faith. The revelation of God is whole and pulls our lives together. The signposts of God are clear and point out the right road. Everything was created through him. Nothing, not one thing came into being without him. What came into existence was life. And the life was the light to live by. The life light blazed out of the darkness. The darkness couldn't put it out. All right, good morning, everybody. My name is Dave Nelson, if you're visiting today, and uh, so pastor here at K2, and um, I'm really excited because uh, this last summer, I was given the opportunity to take a sabbatical, which is every seven years uh, to get away and have some extended time, and uh, doing that to pull out of the grind, the daily grind, to, to work on my own relationship with God and pull up and get big, big picture for here for K2, and, um, and so uh, as I sat there uh, this summer, um, I, I really believe that God kind of revealed one major thing to me uh, while I was gone this summer. So I asked our team if I could have a Sunday just to kind of download with you, and that's what I'm going to do today. So I'm going to share with you uh, the main thing that I feel like God revealed to me this summer while I was on sabbatical. And what I did is um, every morning, like I normally do, I would continue to get up and just spend my time with Jesus, which I love to do. But I love it in the summer because it's warm enough to get outside. <laughs> and this summer, for some reason, every morning, I would just be in awe of his creation. And I usually get up early enough, it's dark, right? So you get to see the stars and it's so quiet. And then eventually the sunrise will come up and it's beautiful, a beautiful painting different every morning. And, uh, and as I sat there, there was so much that God was revealing to me. Proverbs 3, 19 through 24 says this, the Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deep broke open and the clouds dropped down the dew. My son, do not lose sight of these. And so there were three, three things that God started to reveal to me about his knowledge. What do we get to know about, God's, about God through his creation, the knowledge and the wisdom and the understanding of God? And actually, before I jump in and start unpacking this, let's go ahead and pray. I'd love just to pray first, and then we'll dive in. Father, thank you for this morning. 
And we do, we are gathered here to worship you, to fix our eyes on you, to see how good you are. And Lord, I just, I thank you that your presence is always here with us. Through Jesus, we literally, there's no chasm between heaven and earth now. That we have a chance in this morning to hear your voice speak to our hearts, which is just incredible. And I ask that you would do that. Would you open the eyes of our heart so we can see you and understand you? And I pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So here were the three things that hit me with creation. The first one was this, is that when God created the world through his knowledge and wisdom and understanding, it's what gives us life. Everything, everything the way God created it, the oxygen that we breathe, the water that we need, the food that we need just to be able to live. And so you'd look at all of creation and you go, oh my gosh, when God in his infinite wisdom and knowledge and understanding was creating the world, he was doing it so it would actually produce life. Even the distance of, the, of, our, of our planet right to the sun has to be exactly what it is and it has to be tilted on its axis perfectly. And so there's one thing that we can understand about when God creates something is it's life giving. It gives life. Secondly, is it's so productive. I just sat there and I'd look around and just realize everything that's living is literally multiplying itself. It's producing things. Even your body right now while you sit here is literally multiplying itself, giving life. But not only does everything produce something that God creates, it also, it's in a symbiotic relationship. This produces something that the other thing in creation needs and it gives back and forth. And because we produce in a symbiotic way in God's infinite wisdom and knowledge, he's like, everything I create is for something else. It's beautiful. And then the third thing that hit me was just how pleasing his creation is. Have you guys just stopped and enjoyed the beauty of his creation? Like how many of you just love God's creation, right? And here's what's cool, is what I love is people who don't even believe in God they actually go, well, maybe, <laughs> once they get out in creation. But this summer, I would sit there every morning and just my eyes, again, feasting on the beauty of the sunrise. My skin feeling the, the, the cool breeze in the morning, the touch and enjoying that. The ears hearing the, the little birds that would be around hearing that. The smell of a fresh morning and then the taste of coffee on my lips. Let's get to what really matters, right? Yeah. Yeah, and you guys are the 1130 crowd. But every morning, for some reason, God just kept telling me, showing me over and over again, do you see, David? Do you see? In my wisdom and knowledge and understanding that formed this world, what I create gives life. What I create is productive and symbiotic relationship. What I create is pleasing. Romans 1.20 says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. What God makes tells us something about his nature. Can I tell you what he told me, what his creation tells me? God is good. <laughs> He's so good. Is he not good? Can I get an amen just for the heck of it? 
God is good. Everything he does brings life and pleasure and pride. It's just everything about him. And then one day, as I soaked in this reality of God, I'm sitting there, and then all of a sudden, I heard God say to me, and, I, and I'm going to tell you again, God is a God who speaks. He's going to speak to you this morning, okay? You're going to have your own thoughts going on in your head, and then out of left field, you are going to hear a deeper, more profound voice that's going to come to you, and that's God. So I'm sitting there one morning, again, reflecting on his unbelievable creation, and then I hear in my voice, and David, you're my creation. You're my creation. Every one of you in here is God's idea. And then he says, and you are more glorious than all of that. Do you guys know that? The Bible tells us when he was creating everything that we are like, oh my gosh, it's like unbelievable. He says, it was good, it's good. And then he created mankind and what did he say? That's really good. So apparently the Grand Canyon's got nothing on you. <laughs> Seriously, he says in Romans, he says, you are my, or in Ephesians, you are my masterpiece. And then he started to reveal this to me. And David because you're my creation, you are created to give life to this world. You are unique to produce the things that I gave you in symbiotic relationship with the rest of the world that other people can get from you and you can receive from them. And you're created to bring pleasure, joy, peace, love, kindness, goodness, gentleness, mercy, Grace, come on, man. When people, you're around people who are like that, it's pleasing, right? If it, it's a pleasure to meet you, we say, <laughs> to people who are like that. And God is saying, that's what you are. Psalm 139 says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Can I just ask you a question? When's the last time you woke up and went in front of the mirror and go, I am wonderfully made. <laughs> and here's what I know. We don't. But today, I want you to understand this. God could not be more clear. You are my creation. And what I create is glorious. You are created glorious. So here's what we're going to do. The first thing right now is I just want to do some worship together with you. And so, um, and I want you, and I used to lead worship at our church back in Detroit before we moved out here. So they're giving me a shot to, to do it. See, I can't even get the, my ear things right. Um, but here's what I want us to do as we, cre as, as we worship. I want you to worship your God as the creator. And I know that, you're, that you already know that he's the creator, but I want you to see him in all of his glory. I want you to, to, to stop and just imagine again the perfection of everything that he has done. And in his infinite wisdom, he's created it to give you life, to produce, to be pleasing. He is so 
good. Let's worship him as a God who is good. And I I tell you, it, it helps us to know all these other things about him. Like when we worship him, we can say, yes, your creation shows us. You are glorious. You are majestic. You are powerful. You are beautiful. Your intellect is beyond understanding your creativity. Yes, God, you are good. But then I also want you to worship him this morning as your creator. I want you to stop this morning and remember, he's looking at you and saying, you are glorious. You're mine. You're my idea. And we'll stop and we'll say, God, like the psalmist, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. All right? So let's stand together and let's worship. This is a new song, Um, at least here at K2, some of you may know it. So I just know when I hear a new song, I just like to know, okay, I just, eventually though, I believe you're gonna get it, you're gonna be able to flow in it, but just sing when your heart is free to sing, soak in, the lyrics are unbelievable. And let's just begin to give God the worship he does. God of creation, All right, I did lead worship. We can do this. This happened first service too. God of creation, there at the start, before the beginning of time. In the realm, with no point of reference, I'm blowing this. Hey, we're gonna go from the top. I'm taking this out. All right, here we go. God of creation, there at the start for the beginning of time. With no point of reference, you spoke to the dark and fleshed out the wonder of life. And as you speak, a hundred billion galaxies are born. The paper of your breath, the planets fall. If the stars were made to worship, so will I. you have 
treasure inside and follow the sound of your voice. And as you speak,
Here 
So don't you see that we don't owe this old do-it-yourself life one red cent? There's nothing in it for us. Nothing at all. The best thing to do is give it a decent burial and get on with your new life. God's spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. This resurrection life you received from God, it's not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant. Greeting God with a child like, what's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who he is, and we know who we are, father and children. And we know we're going to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. If we go through the hard times with him, then we're certainly going to go through the good times with him. So here I am sitting out there this morning. By the way, uh, this reading uh, is from the message um, in Romans chapter 8. And I love when it says, his spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. So I'm sitting there morning after morning, soaking in this rail. Who am I? I am a creation of God. And I am made to be glorious. And then I'm sitting there one day and I'm like, yeah, but God, I don't feel very glorious. <laughs> Anybody else? How many of you don't actually feel very glorious? And so I'm so, so this is it, like life-giving, productive and symbiotic, related, you know, pleasing to everybody. Uh, no, not really. And so that leads me to my second point. And that is you and I are made glorious, but our glory is hidden. Our glory is hidden. See, God's creation is glorious within his wisdom, the laws of nature. His creation functions in the midst of God's wisdom. And then we see it and we go, wow, look what happens when stuff actually is in line with God's ways and his wisdom and his knowledge and his understanding. And that's what creation is for us. So every morning I'm just going, oh my goodness, look at what happens when God's wisdom is actually displayed through creation. It is glorious. And here's the other truth. The creation of humanity is glorious when it functions within his wisdom and under his laws. See, not only did God create us, in that, in that uh, uh, proverb I read about that God created everything with his wisdom and knowledge and understanding, it goes on to say this. My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So God not only created the creation and wisdom, he created us with his wisdom. And if you and I would keep his wisdom in our life, he goes, then they will be life for your soul and adornment around your neck. They will, then you will walk on your way securely and your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you will not be afraid. And when you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. See, 
So the laws of nature work and it causes things to be glorious. And God goes, and then I have another law. I am the king. I have a kingdom. Those are my ways. I have laws. Do you guys know what his law is? It's the law of? Yeah, you guys are about to get first, for good as first service. So maybe that's why we're all screwed up, right? Because <laughs> we don't really know. Actually, somebody right here said it. When someone came to Jesus and they said, what are the commandments that we must have to follow? What did he say? You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. In fact, then he went on, right? And he said, everything else that you've ever seen or heard, anything in scripture, anything you've ever been taught, every other command hinges, hangs on these two things right here. You gotta love God and you gotta love your neighbor. So even in, later in James, he, said, he calls it, it's the law of love. And when you and I live in his kingdom, when he's the king of our lives and we follow God's law, guess what? We live in love. And when you and I live in love, you are glorious. You do give life to other people. You do, instead of living for yourself, you have stuff and you're producing it and you're giving it to others and you're receiving it back. And you are pleasing to other people when you are loving them. And so, as he goes on with this, basically, I just sat there, I feel like God was saying to me, David, the real you is glorious. Now this other guy, he's not so hot. See, we have this whole other person. See, there's the you that God created, and then there's the you that you're creating. I create a person too. The person, and this, I'll, just, I'll go for me, and you guys can all hop on my bandwagon, because this is what he was sharing with me. David, you are creating someone to protect yourself, and you're creating someone to prove yourself. And you know what? And every human being does the same thing. And that self, the problem with trying to prove yourself and trying to protect yourself is who are you thinking about? Yourself. yourself. <laughs> and see, and as soon as you're consumed with yourself, can you love? No. And so he kept showing me over and over again where I'm not glorious. Where am I not walking in the law of love? And then he was just showing me, it's like that guy, David, right there. He goes, we got to get rid of him. Now, let me, just, let me just share just real quickly a little bit. Why do we do this? Okay. First of all, because the Bible tells us that every one of us is born, again, right, with a sinful nature. So, so you're just born with a nature that thinks about yourself first. We aren't born going, I'm going to love God and love everybody. You know, and I'm sorry for you guys who've been here with me forever because it just makes sense again. Every little child immediately knows how to say two things, no and mine. No and mine. That's your nature. Well, when you're saying no to God and no to your parents and, and mine, it's all about you. Guess what, man? It's ugly. That's why if you've been a parent, it's hard because that's our initial nature. So we have a nature, you guys, that doesn't follow God right from the time we're born. And so if you're not following God, guess what? You're not following his ways and his ways are love. 
But instead we're going, no, I want this and I want that. <laughs> in fact, you know what's funny? From the earliest time we're born, we have this thing inside of us that is just, because since we're living for our own pleasure and for our own satisfaction and for our own fulfillment, there are certain people and there are certain things that satisfy us, that make us happy. And so we accept those people. We love those people. And then we have other people in our lives. And we have this right from the beginning. You bug me. You don't make me happy. Those are called parents, right? <laughs> when you're little. But, but we have, the, and from the very beginning, and so what we do with that is we reject those. We put up, we stiff arm them. I remember, again, I, I was never an angry person until I became a parent. And the reason I, I realize is because anger at its core, almost all anger at its core, is when you don't feel valued and when you don't feel respected. And what you realize when you're a parent is, I just gave birth to someone whose heart is bent towards themselves. And so here's the problem. When you're doing that, you're not doing God's stuff. And so now you and I live in a world that's based on judging each other on whether I like you or not, on whether you please me or not. And if you please me, I accept you. And if you don't please me, I reject you. If you don't make me feel better about myself, then I, and, and this happens from elementary school on, and it goes all the way till right now. At your workplace, here at church, in your neighborhood, in your home, everywhere we go. And so because of that, because of this angst inside of us, we know what it is. It's like, okay, but I know what it is to get accolades. I know what behaviors get people to like me, right? And you guys know what it is. Hey, I'm smart. If I'm smart enough, they like me. If I'm pretty enough, they like me. If I'm talented enough, if I'm popular enough, if I'm funny enough, if I'm religious enough. So what we do is we have to prove ourselves. So now we're promoting ourselves. We're saying, look at me, I can do it. I'm worth your affection. And I know God was just saying to me this summer, say, David, every time you feel like you have to prove yourself, it's not glorious. It's not glorious. It's not love. And you're fighting for it. And I know for me, it's like trying to be successful enough to get God's, and it's so funny, because like my job, he's kind of my boss, you know? And like, and so I always have this really undue pressure on me to perform, to do well enough for him. And he's like, seriously, David? So you don't know that I just love you? No, I don't. Okay, that dude's got to die because that's not a true thought. And then not only do we try to prove ourselves, but we also, all of us, have been rejected. All of us have had people look at us and say, you're not enough. And the pain and the suffering and the brokenness that you feel inside, you're going, I am never feeling that again. So you know what you do? And what I do, all of us, we all protect ourselves. We all protect ourselves. Man, I'll never forget, I was 27 years old. I was on staff at the church, Kensington, back in Michigan. And I was having my time with Jesus, rooming with Jim Novak at his round little table in the dinette. And I sat down to have my time with him. And God just spoke to me. And again, you guys, he speaks. And, the fr and all of a sudden, I heard God say this to me. No more Mr. Nice Guy. No more Mr. No more Mr. Nice Guy. What do you mean? I don't want you to be nice people anymore. 
God. <laughs> he says, no, I don't want you to be nice to people anymore. I want you to love them instead. Do you guys know there's a big difference between nice and love? Kindness is of the spirit of God. Being kind is the spirit of God. Being nice is human. And it was my defense. I had felt a lot of rejection early on in my life, and I'm like, you know what? That hurts. I hate not feeling valuable. I hate not feeling loved. I hate not feeling accepted. So guess what? I realized I can be a nice guy. How many of you guys like nice guys? Oh, come on, you bunch of liars. You like nice guys. We all like nice people, right? We like nice people. But, the, but I can tell you this. I know now when I'm being nice, it's not love. Because I'm not thinking about the other person. I'm thinking, I'm hoping they'll actually accept me. And God goes, hey, David, that's not glorious. See, because when you fear that you're not going to get accepted by somebody, then what do you do? You withdraw. You avoid the situation. You hesitate instead of going in. You don't love. Here's what I want to tell all you guys. You are created gloriously. And you are created in the image of God. And God is love. But that glory is hidden by our self-protection and by our self-promotion. And as long as we still feel those things, we can never live glorious lives. And some of you, you're tired. You don't look in the mirror and go, glory! You don't. You wake up and all you see is not good enough, not pretty enough, not successful enough, not whatever enough. So you're gonna go out and you're gonna prove it. And you're gonna prove it and you're gonna prove it and you're gonna work hard and you're gonna show yourself to be successful, somebody that everybody should look up to. And in the meantime, you're gonna probably ruin almost all your relationships around you because they're thinking about you. And then some of you, instead of going out and proving it, man, you are, you're hesitating. You're avoiding. You're withdrawing. And it's not glorious. It is not glorious to have a false humility. God created you wonderfully, beautifully, gloriously. And he doesn't want you to be afraid of that. So there's two things that God really revealed to me, and, that, and we'll go to this, and that is God is restoring our glory. God is restoring our glory. The verse that John read in, is in Romans chapter eight. I love it when he says, so don't you see that we don't owe this old do-it-yourself life one red cent? <laughs> There's nothing in it for us, nothing at all. And I just wanna say, I love that, that view. That's what we gotta realize. You guys, this do-it-yourself thing, you guys, that guy's gotta go. <laughs> But here's, here it is in the New International Version, the version we usually teach here. It says this. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Did you guys hear that? You have no obligation to do what your sinful nature is urging you to do. And your sinful nature is urging you to think about yourself to prove yourself or to protect yourself. And then he goes on and he says this, for if you live by its dictates, you'll die. And we all know this. 
Some of us are walking around and we're not alive. You're breathing, but you're not alive. You're not free. And you're wounding the people around you. Your relationships are suffering. And we have a God who's like, this is so good. He goes, I love you too much to let you stay in that place. So the passage goes on and says this, but if through the power of the spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. You'll be glorious. For all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, listen to this. When you receive the spirit of God, here's what he says happens. Instead, you receive God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. We have a good, good father. Can I tell you two things about him? There's two things I want you to understand about his love. The first one is the love that he has for you is the love of a father for a child. I'll never forget, I'll be totally honest with you, I wasn't all that geeked. I wasn't one of these guys who were like, oh, I can't wait to have kids. Like, I, I wanted to have kids. I did. But I know some of you guys are like, I got to have a kid. I'm like, nah, I don't know. All right, let's have a kid. And then Mariah is born. And I'm done. I couldn't believe the emotion that I felt in my heart for her. I loved that girl. And I want to tell you right now, God has a love for you that's like that. And you know what's so great? Here's what he says about this love. And you have to know this love that affirms that you're his child. Because I can tell you, my kids drive me nuts. Sure, your kids drive you nuts. My kids drive me nuts. I love my kids no matter what. And here's what God says in Romans 5. He says, when you were powerless, when you were powerless, that was just the right time for me to love you. And one more, you guys, if you're around human beings and, and you're powerless, you know what human beings do? They pull their love away. It's like, you can't bring anything to the table. He goes, at just the right time when you were powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. He goes, and while you're a still a sinner, he goes, can I prove my, can I show you what my love is like? When you're still a sinner, he goes, that's when I love you. Now that's good news right there. If when you're powerless, ungodly sinner, and God's going, that's just the right time for me to love you. Can I, can I just tell you, do you know that love? Do you feel that? Because if you've been to church, you like, I know, I know. Let me go a little bit deeper. Do you feel that love? Do you know it here? Because you know what happens? As soon as you know you are loved, no matter what, then you're free from yourself then you don't have to prove yourself to anybody. Then you don't have to protect yourself because if somebody else rejects you, if somebody else lets you down, somebody else pulls you off, you're just sitting there and you go, but I am a dearly loved child of God and he created me glorious and I'm full of that love. And that's why Jesus was so important, you guys, because Jesus is the one. Because we go, well, how do I know? How can I know God loves me like that? He goes, Jesus. 
How can you know that you're loved by God like that? Jesus. Because it says, while you were powerless, ungodly, and a sinner, Jesus is up there going, okay, bring it on. Bring it on. Bring every shameful thing they've ever done. Everything that you've been hiding for. Everything that makes you feel like you're not enough. Jesus is like, I'll take that, God. I'll take it. Go ahead and punish me. Take it. So that you can absolutely see every other person purely as the beautiful, glorious creation that they are. I tell you, man, that's where it all starts. And we got to believe that. But here's the second thing about this God. Once you're confirmed, and that's what, like all summer long, he's trying to just, I'm just meditating on this day after day after day. I still have it on my phone right now. Every day, seven times a day, I have something on my phone that just reminds me in a fresh way, God loves me. He loves me. He's crazy about me. He loves me. I'm a glorious creation of God because I'm too apt to look in the mirror and go, I'm screwing up. I'm not enough. I'm ah. I need to know I'm loved. But here's the second thing about this God. At the end of that passage, he says this. If we, I'm sorry, since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are co-heirs of God's glory. Did you guys hear that? If you're an heir, God is going, you are a co-heir of my glory. You are life-giving, productive, and pleasing. And then he says this, but if we are to share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. Okay, you guys want to just stop right there? Let's just stay with the good stuff. If you are going to share in his glory, he says, then you must share in his suffering. John's got one more reading for us, and I'll unpack it real quick as we close. Then Jesus went to work on his disciples. Anyone who attends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to finding yourself, your true self. What kind of deal is it to get everything you want but lose yourself? What could you ever trade your soul for? So, so why, why is God saying, if you're gonna share my glory, you have to share in some suffering? It's because I can tell you this, when the very thing that you use, the, the, the self that you created that protects yourself, and God goes, I'm gonna destroy that person. There's nothing, I, I tell you, it will scare the hell out of you. And I use that word intentionally. <laughs> but it's scary. You're like, but if I lose this, or if he's gonna take away and move in and get rid of the very thing that's actually promoting you, that, you, that shows you you're worth it, shows that you're valuable, and that actually, God goes in and goes, that guy right there, though, we gotta get rid of that guy. I tell you what, that's suffering to lose those things that you have used your whole life to prove that you're valuable. But he's going, if you keep relying on those things that you created, to protect yourself or prove yourself, 
you will never be free from yourself. And if you're not free from yourself, David, you will never love like I created you to love. And you will never be the glorious creation that you are. And so we have a real good God, man. And I remember he just, he's like, I love David again, the true self, but I hate the false self because it's killing you, wounding others and destroying your relationships. It's not love. And then I just felt like God said, I'm gonna kill that guy. I'm like, seriously? But you, actually, if you read the Bible, it's not like, hey, let's just work on this guy. He goes, no, no, we're not, we're not gonna work on him. We're gonna crucify him. He literally says, put to death the old self. And I want to tell you, man, me, I just kind of go, God, that doesn't sound fun. Let's do the happy stuff. And God goes, it won't be fun. By definition, it's called suffering. Because he is going to take away what protects and promotes you. Things that are hard for you. Fears that you have. Idols. Things that you look to more than God for your identity. And then I just had to tell him. I'm like, God, can I just tell you? When you're working on those things and you're stripping me of those things and you're leading me into those hard things, it doesn't feel like you love me. And I shared this with you guys this last year. I started thinking that God was against me. But again, he just said, David, I'm just loving you in ways you don't want me to. Because I see the beautiful you, but this false you is not glorious. So Hebrews 12, let me just read through this. He says, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you're not legitimate. You're not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live. They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. Guys, there it is right there. See, this is where, this, let me just pull all this together for you as we close. Stop again tomorrow, today, look out there and go, look at the glory of that creation. It is so good because it's under God's laws of his, of, his, of his wisdom and his knowledge. And now what he's saying is, I am gonna strip you, I'm gonna go, cause you to go through hard things in your life, I'm gonna take things away, you're gonna think that I don't love you, right? All of us parents, every time you discipline your kids, you're doing it for their good. Now, do they ever feel like you're doing it for their good? No, and we don't either. But look what he's saying. He goes, but I want you to share in my holiness. In other words, my glory. So God, this is, this is the lesson I'm in still right now, is believing that when God says, David, protecting yourself, being nice is not glorious. So he leads me right into the things I'm scared to death of. I hate that about him. Can I just tell you? I don't like that about God. But you know why he does that? He goes, here, he'll go, here, just trust me. I'm like, okay, my good shepherd who will lead me by still waters. And instead, he leads me right into the, my biggest fears. Who does that? 
like that? He goes, because if I just took it away, you'd just be afraid and come back. What you need to know is you can walk into the deepest, darkest, hardest situations with me and I will be enough for you. And then I'll take away your fear and you won't be protecting yourself and you'll be able to move and live and be free for who you are. You'll be able to share in my holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. It is painful. But later on, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. Okay, band, come on up because we're gonna close with a couple worship songs. Here's what, I want you, here's what I want to close with. You guys, you have a good, good father. You have a dad, a heavenly father, who loves you when you're powerless, ungodly sinner. In fact, he goes, just the right time for me to love you. You must know that love, but you also have a good, good father who's going to discipline you, who's gonna train you, who's gonna make you do things you don't wanna do so that you'll become the glorious creation he's made you to be. And, I, and the application step is right in the passage. You know what it says? Submit to the father of your spirit and live. And you know what submit to the father of your spirit takes? Faith. It just takes faith. I gotta believe that in every situation he leads me into, every encounter, every tough thing, every fear, everything that goes on, I got to believe he's a good, good father and he's perfect in all of his ways. He's loving me, he's loving me, he's loving me so that I can be the glorious creation that he created me to be. That's what it takes, faith to trust him. All right, so let's stand and we're gonna take some time just to meditate in our worship, to worship him. You guys, don't just, please don't just sing these songs, but make the connection in your soul and in your heart and in your mind with this good, good God that we have, trusting him to be that for us. Let's do it.
Spirit of God, you become a child. It's who you are. You are dearly loved. Now this last song that we're going to sing, we've been doing a lot here because it's a fantastic song. And just reminding us that this love that he loves us with is reckless. It's reckless. It is so passionate. It is so holy that it'll never stop coming after us. But I want to tell you, like the first time, first time we sang this song, I was incredibly moved by one line in this song. It says this, there's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down coming after me. And I want to tell you, man, the first time I sang that, I'm like, that's a cool vision of God right there. Is that not a cool vision of God? Okay, but here's what I want you to do. Because I'm changing it now every time I sing this. I want you to join in me. When he says there's no shadow he won't light up or mountain he won't climb up, coming after me. I want you to think about it. He's coming after the real you. He's coming after the glorious you. And that's why he wants to tear down every lie. That's why he wants to kick down the walls that you've built up because he wants you. So today, when you sing this song and you get to that point of him coming after you, just sit there and go, he's coming after the real me. He loves me so much that he wants me to be glorious for him. All right, let's sing it together.
picture this God who loves you perfectly, wholly, completely, this God who created you, this God who sees you, this God who's got this picture of you being so glorious, the real you that he's created. And I want you to picture him coming after that you to set you free. All right, here we go, let's sing this. So shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no
sun with golden Thou silver moon with softer gleam, oh praise him, oh praise him, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Things their Creator bless and worship Him in humbleness. Oh, praise Him, hallelujah. Praise, praise the Father, praise the Son, and praise the Spirit. God, we praise you today. We praise you as the creator of all things. We see your glory and we're amazed at your power, your beauty, your perfection of your design. We praise you as the creator and that you're so good. You're so good. And God, we praise you this morning as our creator. And that the same glory, even more glory, because Christ is in us, the hope of glory. The fact that you, the creator, would now come and be in us so that we could live lives of glory trusting you, submitting to you, receiving love from you so that we can give life and be productive in relationship and bring pleasure. All glory to you, God. Would you now just remind us of this goodness that's in us through you, that every one of us is beautiful and glorious as your creation. And God, help us to walk out of here to live in that love, that law of love, because then we'll bring you glory. Everybody around us will be blessed and we'll be free. And we thank you that that's what you want us to live. In Jesus' name, amen.